Greetings, my nerds, and welcome to the Northwest Nerd Podcast, where we cover pop culture, science, and technology with a Pacific Northwest focus. On today's Spotlight episode, the first of season four, Dyer and I speak to author Neil Cohen about his new book, Business is Dead, Resurrecting Entrepreneurship Through the Fan-Focused Venture. It was just released on October 1st, earlier this week, on Amazon and Barnes & Noble, and the book takes a look at what he calls fantrepreneur businesses. Uh, These are the businesses that you see all the time at Comic-Cons, fan expos. Uh, They're the people who are fans of something who've turned their passion into a business, kind of like a baker who loves Star Trek and then starts doing Starfleet badge cakes. That would be a fantrepreneur. I'll let him explain a little bit more in the interview that will start in just a second here. And the book does focus on the Walking Dead fans in particular, but there's a universality to the stories that he tells. And a little bit further into the interview, since he does have a background in business development as well as writing other zombie books before this one, uh, we also talked to Neil about the growth in the number of cons the past few years. A fascination of this show, if you've heard our geek economy piece, for example. There's just so many portmanteaus this episode, it can't be helped. Uh, We picked his brain about where he sees the explosion in the number of cons going in the future. Can they all survive, or will they eat each other, zombie style? Let's get into it. You do open up this book talking about Walking Dead, your love of it, and then your role in the zombie genre, uh, writing your own novels, but then you also talk about your history in business and you have an MBA. This book is not strictly a business or Walking Dead book uh, itself. Can you kind of explain the distinction and where this book falls in? Absolutely. So one of the things is uh, this is a book about fandom-based entrepreneurship. Fandom is a very broad term. So you can be a fandom of movies, television, sports, uh, an actor, a character. You can be a Batman fan. You can be a fan of the actor that played Batman, or you could be a fan of DC Comics. I wanted to approach this from a digestible, bite-sized chunk here, so I focused on fandom within The Walking Dead. Now, this is not a Walking Dead book. This is not a horror book, and it is not a book just for entrepreneurs interested in launching a Walking Dead-style business. I just used that one line or track of fandom to capture examples of different people who launched their first fan focused business. If you are a fan of Game of Thrones, if you are a fan of comic books, if you are a fan of NASCAR or Ghostbusters, it doesn't matter. The steps that I lay out in the book and the stories and the um, case studies can be attributable to any fandom out there. And, oh, yes, and you were asking about the business. Yeah, so, and this is not a traditional business book. Look, there's a million business books out there. There's, if you go onto Amazon and you search the term entrepreneurship, there are like 40,000 books out there on, on entrepreneurism. There's 40,000 books. There's none on fantrepreneur. Well, now there is. There's mine. But <laughs> all of the entrepreneurship books approach it from the mechanics Mm -hmm. of launching your first business. I'm not getting into that detail. I'm talking about entrepreneurship. 
about launching something that you're passionate about. If you're, in, and I say in the beginning of the book, look, if you're interested in uh, just making money, this is not for you. Put the book down. This is not a, oh, I'm going to quit my job and have a six-figure income and run away from my miserable life launching my uh, fan entrepreneurship uh, based on my love of the Joker. Never going to happen. Can I actually well, I can I, uh, throw in something yeah. there? You actually you encapsulate this in a, a particular line here. Entrepreneurship describes businesses that are started by fans for fans. Uh, these entrepreneurs are not primarily driven by potential for financial profit or any profit in philanthropic endeavors, but those who crave both involvement in their favorite genre along with affiliation with fellow fans. There seems to be this word behind that that I would call passion. That these are exactly. these are very very passionate projects. Do you feel that that's kind of uh, the the foundation? below what you're talking about exactly because look this is taking your fandom one step further now if i say i feel passionate about game of thrones i can be a fan i can go on chat rooms i can talk about it i can post about it i'll maybe even i'll go to a game of thrones uh uh, uh, uh signing or paved at my mm-hmm. picture taken with one of the actors that's a fan now, I am so into it that I want to become part of that universe. I want to contribute to that. I want to create something that I am now attending, or I'm sorry, working and exhibiting yeah. at cons to, to, to demonstrate my passion for Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is the muse of which I'm launching my business. Now, that business could be a number of things. Let's just say I, I wrote fan fiction enough that I've actually written some books about it, or I paint the characters, or I bake cakes that look just like the Game of Thrones. Or maybe I've even written a Game of Thrones-inspired cookbook of all my favorite recipes that I thought those type of characters would actually like. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Now, I'm there, I'm interacting with those fans. And if you are not a fan of Game of Thrones, you don't want to spend eight hours a day for three to four days that a con goes talking with obsessive Game of Thrones fans. But if you are and you can do eight hours of just talking, you just if you spent eight hours there and you didn't make one single sale, but that eight hours was spent talking with people who just share your obsession with Game of Thrones and characters and theories and everything, and you walk out and say, that was the greatest day, then you're a success. That's a fan entrepreneur. You may not make any money, but that's you can't think like, damn it, I didn't make any money. This is all about money. I just wanted to make money. I can't stand talking to these people about Game of Thrones anymore. Oh my God. Then forget it. And what you describe what you describe there reminds me a lot of artists that we meet at conventions, uh, up and down artist alley. Uh, some do well, some don't do as well, but they're in it for their kind of passion and love. And I would probably uh, and you let me know if I'm wrong about this. I would probably throw you into this group as well. Uh, this We're talking about a book about uh, business slash fandom and everything in between, but this is your first nonfiction book. You wrote three zombie novels prior to this that kind of grew out of your fandom for Walking Dead, if I'm correct. Exit Zero, Nuke Jersey, which is my favorite uh, title, <laughs> uh, and Zombie Democracy. Um, you have toured this book yourself? Across these, like, conventions? 
Exactly. So I just spent this weekend at the Living Dead weekend in uh, just outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, it was a weekend filled with nothing but zombie fans. Uh, had I not been there as a vendor selling books, I probably would have been there as an attendee because that's my passion. I love that genre and I love The Walking Dead, but it's not just The Walking Dead. I love all zombies. Like if you take, say, Neil, what's your type of favorite movie? It's got to be, well, I'm not in so much into horror movies. Like I'm not going to go to jump scare movies or slasher movies. I like horror, subculture, post-apocalyptic subculture zombies. You got to have both <laughs> the zombies and the apocalypse. Two great tastes that taste great together. And then I'm a fan. Hopefully they made a good movie. Well, then even then you can dive down into, okay, well, I prefer Walking Dead versus Z Nation versus, uh, I guess, iZombie's not really apocalyptic in that case. Um, But Still a a good zombie show. Still a good zombie (laughs) show. Um, Can I just uh, throw something else out there? Because while we're in kind of this realm of of passion and versus uh, what people do at a convention, and uh, I couldn't help but notice this one line that you also threw in your book. So be the last line kind of read before I give away all your book. But you you talked about how fandom kind of grew up around in the 80s and the 90s. And I kind of remember that time where you didn't have social media. You had a phone and you can only talk with your friends about what you watched and read on the phone. And the greatest advancement I think you bring up is that you could like do like three-way phone calls with people. You could put two other people on the line, and you wrote, amazing, you could communicate with two people over the air at once. It was like a podcast, only with at least two people listening. So, speaking as a podcaster, (laughs) I will let you know that we have at least two people and sometimes my dad who listen. So, just throwing it out there. That, yeah. You know, I knew that line was going to bite me in the ass when I wrote it, and I said, damn it. I gotta be I gotta be pure to my craft here. I'm gonna put it in there because it's funny. So here's the deal. No, it was very funny. Uh, the the reason I kind of bring that up because I think it's a perfect and apt uh, thing to lay out what your book is about. Because uh, Northwest Nerd, for example, we were just uh, tabling. Uh, we had our own booth at Rose City Comic Con. We've done other conventions, um, and we are in a unique space within the whole convention culture. Um, and I have to bring this up because I'm selfish and I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. But I also have to bring this up because I think there's a lot of people that are like us at conventions. We are a podcast. We do not sell anything. We are there strictly because we are passionate and because, you know, that's the audience. We want people to know that we exist. So we just want to, hey, we're there. So we've, we've always, Nick and I have discussed, like, what exactly do we do We've tried photo booths. Mm-hmm. We've done uh, this last one. We did a mystery box um, just to get people to come over and like interact with us. Uh, given your history with conventions, and you've done conventions outside of, of uh, fandom before, I believe that's kind of your background in business in general. Um, I mean, what, what do you say to the, to the folks that are out there, the vendors, the exhibitors, the artists, that, that aren't really selling anything? They're there because they're involved with the passion. Yeah. Well, you're there for awareness. Let me give you an example. I was at a con and uh, I was actually walking uh, out to my car because I'd left something in my car and I realized in the middle of the con. So I was going out to my car and I see these two guys walking towards me and they both had identical shirts, uh, T-shirts of a podcast. 
So I grabbed him. I said, hey, are, are, are you guys a podcast? And they're like, yeah. And so we started talking. Uh, we swapped cards. I reached out to him, and then I ended up doing their podcast. And I said to him, I, if one of them had been wearing the T-shirt, I wouldn't have stopped the two of them. Because for all I know, some guy got a T-shirt from a podcast. But the two guys walking together, both wearing the same T-shirt, it immediately hit me. These guys work for a podcast. So out of the out of the white noise of a trade show or a Comic-Con where there's a million things happening all around and you're competing for a bit of attention, these guys caught me because why? They were both wearing the same identical T-shirt. So that said to me, these guys work for a podcast. So – they found one. They found a guest. So they they got something out of the con, and I actually did their podcast. Two, a lot of people at the cons are there for awareness. Like for now, you'll see in the horror cons, there's a lot of haunted houses um, promoting. Yeah. Um, they're not selling anything. They're bringing awareness to a haunted house that is going to be up for the next 30 days, and they want people to know about it. One of the people I interview in the book, Dog Walk of the Dead, they are a philanthropic charity. They do a, uh, a, a dog walk where everybody dresses up as zombies, the dogs dress up as zombies, the hawkers <laughs> dress up as zombies once a year. Um, but they go to cons all year long to promote this one event. They're not signing people up. They're not selling anything. People then have to go online and register and uh, donate money, and and it all 100% of that goes to the charity that they raise money for, the dog, usually a dog rescue or a shelter, and um, so they're there to bring awareness, and that's what you guys are doing. You're there to bring awareness to your your podcast. Now, when I'm there, I'm trying to sell books. Uh, I've been doing comic cons, horror cons, pop culture cons for years. My first book came out almost uh, what four years ago now. Um, but I, I, you know, the people that walk past that I talk to have conversations with hand my card to, if they didn't buy the book now, I'm hoping they remember about it and then it, it, and they'll contact me later. But a lot of this is they'll come back and they'll see me a second or a third time at a different con and then they'll buy. And it's, uh, you know, like they always say, if, if you are in the mindset of buying a car, you're suddenly going to hear every car commercial that comes on. If you're not in the mindset to buy a car, there could be 500 car commercials come on while you're watching your television show. You, it wouldn't even register in your brain. You wouldn't remember seeing it. It, it just didn't even happen. Again, it didn't break through that white noise. And that's what it is for you guys. You guys have to it's the constant repetition of I've seen you guys. Hey, I've seen you guys at this con, at that con, or didn't I see you guys last year? I engaged with you. One of the things I talk about in the book is fans of fantrepreneurs. Like I talked to people and I said, you go to a big Comic Con. Like next weekend, I'll be at New York City Comic Con, and then oh, the yeah. weekend after, I'll be at New Jersey Horror Con. I say, you go down Artist Alley, and even in the main area, you're going to see people creating custom illustrations of Batman. Mm -hmm. What? Why do you choose artist A versus artist B? You, you have a finite amount of money, and there is an almost infinite amount of art there drawing Batman. Why, why did you pick this one? And why do you go back next year and buy a different art piece of artwork from? And they all say it boiled down to 
they felt a, a, a connection to that artist. Mm. That artist made some connection with them, whether it was just eye contact or a smile or a good conversation, or he expressed his passion for Batman and they felt that he shared their passion and that's how they chose him. And that's how they became a customer. So you brought up a couple of points there. Uh, one seems to, you know, for, for these folks that are in this niche of, you know, not trying to sell, 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 it's almost like a brand awareness thing. You know, uh, folks come up to Northwest Nerd all the time and say, I recognize your logo. Never listen to your podcast. That logo. They know the logo. Um, it's almost like just kind of getting out there and getting in front of people. Eventually, hopefully that, that snowball gets big enough that they you know listen at some point. And that's just from our perspective. Uh, but this other point that you bring up that I think is pretty valuable, you emphasize, I believe, networking in your book. And I was wondering yes. if you can kind of go over the value of using conventions as a networking tool um, uh, and then I'll have a follow-up question for that um, eventually, too. Yeah, well, it's all about connecting with people. And listen, you've got like-minded people in that convention. I'm sure you're probably not going to home uh, home decor conventions, you know, or home repair or, or travel expos, because the people that are attending that are probably not the same people that would listen to Northwest Nerd. Mm -hmm. The people that attend Comic-Cons are. And there are lots of people, and you are competing for their eyes at the con. You're competing for a little bit of space in there. I remember seeing that. And then you're competing for the most valuable thing in the world, time. These people, everybody on the planet has, an, has a finite amount of time on this planet. And you're asking them to carve out a piece of their life to listen to your to listen to your podcast, so that you you've got to figure, you've got to make that connection that I'm going to carve out an irreplaceable piece of time in a finite amount of time that I have on this planet, and I'm going to spend that listening to this podcast. They're going to do that based on their connection to you, that they felt something. That, wow, I really liked these guys. I enjoyed the interaction with them. I had a con. Um, or, hey, I've been going to this con for three years, and I see these guys are always there supporting it. And that's the kind of stuff that's going to start spreading and start building up a customer base. Well, I think that, I don't know, we're probably in trouble, Nick, because people are going to have to like us now. I don't know. <laughs> I it yeah, is a, it's a yeah, that's, it's it does suck you know you gotta have to be liked and uh it's much easier to be a miserable uh sob than it is to be a likable person but, <laughs> but yeah that's, but uh... speaking of being <laughs> liked though you, you do one final point on that is you do mention that within networking uh you seem to kind of land on the side of folks at conventions whether you're an artist whether you're a vendor of some kind you should sort of find a way to work together and benefit together because a lot of folks could view each other as competition, you know, at a convention. And you, you speak to the value of kind of that competition versus kind of partnering with each other, you know, and, and to bring it back to the, to the podcasting example that we've been doing, like podcasters have known for a while that if you partner with other podcasters, you kind of increase your exposure. Um, is this kind of what you're talking about here with, with the networking and trying to partner with uh, like-minded folks that you meet at conventions? Yeah, and it's it's tough because you'll meet – how I came about this idea is, is I'm a social guy. And when I'm at the cons, I'll talk to my neighbors, my con, my vendor neighbors. 
and you, you you're there you're you're there for hours and hours and hours a day and sometimes there's sessions going on or panel sessions and the con floor gets empty and you're just killing time and a lot okay. of people will just retreat into their phone and just start surfing the web or they'll start drawing and they won't communicate with other people around them that is so and, true and it, it and it's kind of lost time when you're saying oh my god you know i'm trying to meet customers but this room is filled with other people that have the same kind of mindset that i do and i'm not even talking to them they're in their booths so now for me it's tough because a lot of times i uh, i a lot of times almost 99 percent of the time i do my shows alone uh, i have no one else at the booth uh, I'm always afraid that the minute I walk away from my boot, that's when someone's going to walk up and say, damn it, I was going to order 20 books. You know, so you, <laughs> you, you never want to walk away, but you know, I always try to get there a little early and when people are setting up and just chit chat with them, or if I can get one of the, um, con volunteers to sit in my booth for a little bit and I say, look, if anyone comes over and they're interested, text me and I'll run back right back. You know, and then I can spend some time walking around the show. But yeah, you got it. But they also are your competition, you know. So uh, you got to kind of find that right mixture. Like for you guys, you might want to find either A, someone that is, uh, you know, um, uh, Northwest. Or you might want to say, well, maybe I'll partner with a, a podcast that's East Coast. And then I've got kind of both these flavors. Imagine if we get you know, very New York centric podcast with our, uh, Northwest podcast. It's kind of like, we'll share it because we're not really stepping on each other's market, but ultimately I'll give you an example. I've had a couple times people say, Hey, I didn't get into this con. Can I share a, a, a table with you? I'll even pay you for the table. Right. The problem with that is if, 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 if their product is either a, too competitive, i.e. they're selling another zombie book, or B, too far afield, like they're selling, um, um, I'm trying to think, uh, DC Marvel books, yeah. it takes away from your booth. Now, let's just say they're selling, they're trying to do, uh, like at this last kind I was, the guy was doing zombie bites. Literally, uh, he would he would put on fake um, what do you call it prosthetic or makeup on your neck or your face or your oh. arm that looks like you got bitten. Well, that would be a complimentary vendor to share my booth with. If I chose to share my booth, I'd say, well, that because this guy, the people that are going to come over are the same type of people that would buy my books, but they're not taking money away from me. They're not taking attention away because mm. buying a, uh, a, a, a a one day makeup that looks like I got put by a zombie is not going to take away from me selling my zombie books, but the same type of crowd. So you got to kind of, it's a tough balance there. To zoom out a little bit, uh, you've been to a lot of cons. You seem like a believer in the, uh, the con being a way to reach people. It feels like now that like any town that has a, a community center big enough can and has thrown a fandom convention of some type at this point. What do you think of the explosion and the number of them in the past few years? Yeah, they're kind of cannibalizing themselves. You know, it's both good and bad. Um, like, it used to be you would do yet a couple Comic-Cons, and they were known. And there was San Diego, and there was a couple big ones, and that was it. And that was the big 
convention of the year. And now literally there's one, I guarantee every weekend there's a con somewhere. Uh, For instance, I was just, like I said, a living dead weekend. Next weekend, I'll be at New York City Comic Con. The weekend after that, I'll be at New Jersey Horror Con. The weekend after that, I'll be at a Walker Stalker Con in Atlanta. Um, now, yes, it is October, and that's my busy time of year, you know, because I sell zombie books. Um, but holy cow, you know, there's just constant everywhere, and I think that they are kind of cannibalizing themselves. Um, you know, they can't all survive. Some of them, they're going to have to either merge. There's just not enough uh, time and money out there to sustain every type of comic. Now, in November, I'm going to one called Sopranos Con. <laughs> the reason I'm doing it is I just thought it was so unique. It is a con focused on one show. So that is really, I'm just, I, I'm going to exhibit and I want to see because I do have a mob characters that run through my story and my book takes place in New Jersey and this is Sopranos took place in New Jersey and I do have a mob arc storyline and the con is New Jersey. So I figured, you know what, I'm going to give it a shot. But I'm thinking to myself, the show's been off the air for like a decade over maybe longer. I don't remember now. And it is so micro focused. It's not a mafia con. It's not a, uh, you know, mob movie con. It is, uh, it, it is a one show con. Mm. <laughs> so I'm, it'll be curious to see what happens. And maybe that's, where this is going to all fan out, you know, that they're going to, oh, boy, that was an, uh, an apt analogy fan out, um, <laughs> that there's going to be such segmented that there'll be, you know, like, uh, you know, cons focused on, uh, just individual shows. Yeah. So it does seem like you, you see some type of contraction though, from the, from the just huge explosion in the number of them that's happened the past few years. What do you think will give cons staying power? Do you think it'll be ones that are hyper-focused or, is, is there any kind of secret sauce that you see in all of the cons that you go to, the ones that you expect to stick around? Yeah, like there's ones I'll do and then I'll never do again. Like to, for me, I'm a vendor. And when I'm there, the, generally most of the cons right now are um, not really pure comic cons. People are not right. there just to see comic books or to talk comic books. They're pop culture. Pop culture events. and – they're there mainly for the celebrities. There's a, you know, you got to have these big name celebrities. Now, I've been to cons where people have come up to me and said, Neil, I wanted to come over to the booth, but I, I just spent the last four hours online to get my um, pre-ordered photograph and autograph session uh, with ABC Star. And, you know, it took me four hours online and, and then I got it. 30 seconds was with the, with the actor. And then I was gone. I was like, Holy cow. And I'm not kidding. I'm not exaggerating four hours. That was four hours. Those people could have been walking around the vendor area. They could have been attending the panel sessions. They could have been buying, um, uh, you know, from the food area, but they spent four hours standing in line. That is a poorly run con. That is a con that I, as a vendor, if they don't fix, I'm not going back to. 
that was my experience it, with Patrick Stewart. Exactly. That was, it's yeah, like, and you're, there, you're it, describing my nightmare that one day. Yeah. See, and, and there's no reason for that. Have they never been to a, a, a Chili's or a Friday's? Listen, if you have to give someone a little pager, you know, go walk around the mall and we'll page you when your table's ready. Go walk. Here's your time that you're going to come. I just spent X, Y, Z dollars to be in the door here. And now, and then I spent even more money for my autograph session. And now I had to waste half the day just standing in line. That is poorly poorly organized and that is the con organizers fault and that is a con organizer i'm not going to support again because that is time that those people could have been looking at my stuff and that's i'm there to make money to well you know like i said i'm i'm, I'm there for the fun and everything but the point is that also i want to get some sales i want to meet people and if everybody is there online for hours waiting to get one autograph Forget it. They blew it. You know, the fan didn't have a good time. The vendors didn't meet the fans. Just those are the ones that are, are not going to last. So I think there's probably got to be some consolidation uh, where I think the more well-run cons will continue to expand. The poorly run cons will either come together, they'll have to merge together, or they'll just go out of business. And now, it's even in your field, it's tough with podcasting. People start podcasting and they think, oh, this is great, uh, you know, one hour a week. Hmm. And let and, the sponsorships uh, roll in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then they realize that this is no, this is a commitment. And this is hours and hours and hours of prep time, hours of booking guests, hours of post interview uh, editing. This is. A lot of time, and I guarantee 99% of the people, unless you're Joe Rogan, you ain't making a living from podcasts. You're probably working 40, 50 hours a week and then doing this on the side. And you'll see all these podcasts come and go. Mm -hmm. um, and it's it, it, it it's just kind of the same way with the cons. Like, oh, wow, I'm going to start a con for Supernatural. And then I don't realize how much work it is. And then it may even go two years and then it's done. Right. You know, even if the show is still hot, the con is done because that's a lot of work. So it'll be very interesting to see how this all comes out, whether it's going to come down to like micro focused cons and whether people would come out to that, whether you can get people to come out to that. Um, you know, I'm with Game of Thrones was so powerful, a television show that if all the Game of Thrones characters were coming to a singular con that was just on Game of Thrones, I guarantee Forget people would travel literally from other continents. Well, if I could, if I could throw out just kind of a, a dire prediction for, for that, I think what we're seeing right now uh, with a lot of conventions is a little bit of that fan out that you described. Uh, the uh, Left Field Media, I believe, which owns Rose City Comic Con here in the Northwest, uh, they have, I think, been consolidating a variety of conventions. There's like a kid-centered convention they put in one corner of Rose City. And did they buy out, Nick, I don't know if you remember this better than I do, the Harry Potter like w wizard? Oh, uh, con Leaky Con. Leaky Con. Yeah. And I haven't heard of that. Leaky? And that's for, it has to do with Harry Potter? It's Harry Potter. 
Um, and I think they, they threw that in another corner, but it was mm-hmm. all at one convention. Uh, and they were just kind of like bundling them up. Um, on the other yeah. hand, you have, uh, I think, uh, giant companies like Pop, who you actually, you interviewed Lance uh, Fensterman, president of Pop Global, uh, for yeah. this book, um, that I think will, will probably dominate the giant New York Emerald City Comic Con is where we know them from here in the Northwest, uh, and or they they get Star Wars and Star Trek contracts, like the giant ones for that. But then I see other folks like Left Field Media probably buying up these smaller conventions and just kind of branding them all together. So you go to like a collection all within. You one know, it's event. funny. I just met the Left Field Media people for the very first time. Oh yeah. Um, I I attend a con called Awesome Con here in D.C which has just been uh, and th- uh, getting bigger and bigger. And That's I awesome. remember it a couple of years ago, and it, it it was literally a comic and panel session con. And oh. I remember going with my kids and them being bored after like two hours because they weren't <laughs> really interested in the panel sessions and they're not really in the comics. They're more into the cosplay. Right. And now it has grown to, you know, huge vendor area, lots of cosplay, uh, some celebrities, some panel sessions. And I think what's cool about cons is when they go into the educational too. And, you know, like when you're attending a con and there's uh, different sessions on illustration, ha- uh, character development, um, you know, that people can come out of there and say, you yeah, not only I had a good time, but I've, I've learned to do my craft better. So uh, we have you on the show because you made your, your first nonfiction book. And usually when someone has created something, and that's the reason on the, they're on the show, I like to ask them what surprised them about that process. What did you learn from uh, making this book? In interviewing the people for this book, uh, it, it, the one thing that struck me is how everybody almost had the same story. They all have this other life. They're almost like superheroes. (laughs) They all work a job and then they have this secret life where they're doing uh, painting, illustrating, baking, cosplay. And a lot of them said to me, Neil, you know, my coworkers don't even know about this or my, I'm a, I'm a lawyer, I'm an accountant and my clients don't know anything about this. Uh, And they're almost afraid for people to know that they have this whole other life. I feel that they're kind of, yeah, and it's a shame because I feel like they're not really, you know, sharing who they are with everybody. Like when when I wrote my first book, everybody said, Neil, look, oh, my God, you're in a professional business here. You know, you're in defense world. You're going to write a zombie book. Jesus Christ, you're going to crush your career. You're going to make people are going to be embarrassed to talk about you or to talk with you and be seen. Oh, my God, don't do it. Don't do it. I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. I'm going to publish under my own name. I'm going to promote myself. Just the opposite. People love it. Uh, professional senior people in the both military and business world have come to me and love talking about it. They're fascinated by it. They've confided in me that their own ideas of the books that they want to write. And I'm always like, holy cow, then write it, man. You know, what are you waiting for? You, I know you're, you think that, oh, well, I'm running this professional career and I, and, and secretly I'm writing James Bond-style novels and I don't want anyone to know that that's what I do because they'll think less of me. No, man, just do it. No one is going to think less of you. 
So I got uh, just the two last final questions, starting with um, one that kind of dovetails off of, of Nick's sentiment there of what you learned. But if you had, um, well, let me put it this way. You put three questions in your book, uh, questions before you con. And I won't say what they are. You'll have to get the book yeah. if you want those uh, to know what those are. But anybody who is considering being a vendor, artist, whatever, at a convention, is there one kind of primary piece of advice that you think that everybody needs to know that will help them go far? Yeah. If they think, oh, man, I love attending Comic-Cons, it's going to be even more fun working them. <laughs> They're wrong. They, it, it's not. It, it, it does change the way you're approaching something that you are passionate about in a defining way. Uh, going to cons as a fan, as an attendee, is very different than working the cons. So they got to understand that that's a business and they, they think, oh man, it'll be great. I, I'll have a booth and I'll bring my kids and their friends and, they'll, and, and we'll all be together and they're just going to have a great time and we'll have family time and I'll run my bit. They're wrong. It is a business and they got to realize that when they're doing it, that it is not going to be fun. It, well, no, I don't want to say that. It is fun. But it is not the same as just attending it. It does yeah. turn into a business of something you have to be serious about. Uh, you know, I've seen plenty of vendors show up ill-prepared uh, or they they just are overwhelmed by it. And I won't see them again the next year. And I'll say, hey, whatever happened to XYZ who, who uh, paints these things? Ah, you know, I, I heard he's not doing it anymore. You know, because it... It, it, it is not easy. <laughs> so, so uh, well, for one, I can definitely back up what you say there after going to conventions and tabling ourselves and how many panels that we didn't get to go to and, and stuff that we normally would want to do. Uh, last question for you. Uh, I believe the book comes out here in October. Uh, October 1st. October Tuesday. Yes. And uh, it's going to be on Amazon. It's going to be on Barnes & Noble or through your website. Uh, where can folks find out information about this book? Uh, how to get it, or just more about what you do? Absolutely. Go to businessisdead.com. Businessisdead.com is my main website. Fantrepreneur.com will take you to the Amazon site, and Fantrepreneurship.com will take you to Barnes & Noble site. Uh, it'll also be in Barnes & Noble nationwide in bookstores, so uh, it, it should be at your local Barnes & Noble. Uh, if it's not, go uh, either uh, demand that they carry it or uh, or uh, uh, pound your fist on the table there. Um, and then, uh, of course, they can reach me. Uh, Exit Zero Zombie is my first trilogy. And one of the things I talk about in the book is branding. So if they go to uh, Twitter at Exit Zero Zombie, Instagram at Exit Zero Zombie, Facebook at Exit Zero Zombie, or Exit Zero Zombie at gmail.com, you will find me. <laughs> and again, that zombie trilogy comes uh, starts out with Exit Zero, followed by Nuke Jersey and Zombie Democracy. Neil Cohen, thank you for joining us on Northwest Nerd. Much appreciated, and good luck with this book. Thank you for having me. That is all for this week. If you like what you hear, make sure you subscribe to the show on your podcast app of choice. You can always find even more nerdy goodness on our social media pages. Just search for NW Nerd on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Thank you to the Hoot Hoots for our theme music and a special shout out to Nicole Lamricks, the originator of the Fantrepreneur term. Wanted to make sure that we mentioned her name in here. It is mentioned in Neil's book, but I think that she deserves another shout out here on the podcast as well because we use that term repeatedly. One more thing you can also check out is that Northwest Nerd now has a blog. It's a limited blog so far, but if you are one of the people who want to check out Star Trek The Next Generation in preparation for 2020's Picard show on CBS All Access, then please take a gander at Dire Syllabus. We do syllabi here because we're nerds. Take a look at Dire Syllabus for required viewing ahead of Picard 2020, which just sounds like a political campaign, which I kind of love. Coming up next week, we've got a magazine episode featuring what Dyer has assured me is the best in landlocked surf rock. So come on back for that next week, you nerds. Vests with zippers, for example, uh, of the sweater variety. 